So as you're turning to Psalm 65, I'm going to throw you a curveball. Look at James 117. <laughs> Psalm 65, but I want to just look at one verse because kind of a pivot point for Psalm 65, I think. The Word of God tells us in James 1 verse 17 that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. What we must see is God is supreme over all. And when we see God as supreme, He is over all things, it will continue to lead us back to His throne of grace from which every good and perfect gift comes from. Every good and perfect gift comes from him because he is supreme. Needless to say, there was an election yesterday. Some good, some bad, some ugly. I told someone I do not trust in the arm of flesh, nor do I trust in politics. So we continue on. We realize that every good gift God gives us, it comes from Him. And in Psalm 65, we see that. This psalm is basically a festive song. It's a time that was probably written around harvest time, roughly around this time of year. It was a time when the fruits were gathered in and a portion, a tenth of that was given to the Lord. It was a time when you are an agricultural society. You depend upon the crops. You depend upon much produce coming in. And when much produce comes in and you're trusting in the Lord, what happens? You give praise unto the Lord because of the abundance of the harvest. Here I want you to notice this psalm divides into three different sections. First off, it divides in verses 1 through 4. It talks about the grace of God. In verses 5 through 8, it talks about the greatness of God. Then in verses 9 through 13, it talks about the goodness of God. This psalm is divided in those three divisions. That's how we're going to look at that tonight. We're going to look at the first four verses and see God's grace, how evident it is in verses 1 through 4. Pay attention to that song right there we just sung. You're going to notice the overtones in Psalm 65, basically singing this song. Here in verse 1, the Word of God says, Praise waits for you, O God, in Zion, and unto you shall the vow be performed. O you that hear prayer, unto you shall all flesh come. Iniquities prevail against me, as for our transgressions thou shalt purge them away. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest, and causes to approach unto you that he may dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, even of your holy temple. In these first four verses, what we see is the psalmist, and it's David writing, it's a little inscription right under that Psalm 65. It says, To the chief musician, a psalm and song of David. As David is writing, you can imagine the harvest coming in and he is saying that praise waits for the Lord. It's for God. In Zion. 
in Jerusalem. And unto him, unto God, shall the vow be performed. As David is writing this psalm, he's approaching God. In his mind, as this bountiful harvest has come in, as he approaches God, I want you to notice how he can do that. First off, there's no way that anyone can do that in and of themselves. God is unapproachable. He is pure light. No man can see his face or they would be consumed. So how does David approach God? I want you to notice here, we're all sinners. And it's sin that has separated us from God. And because of that sin, we cannot approach God whether it's in your own sinfulness or in your own righteousness. You cannot approach God. All your righteousness is as filthy rags. So what we see in this first section, just in the first couple of verses, we notice David addresses God, and he tells us that God hears, and he answers prayer. How can this be? I want you to notice God hears silent prayer. If you make a vow unto God, it could be a silent vow unto God. God hears that. Or it could be a vocal vow. It could be something you say in front of others. If you become a member of New Life Baptist Church, what happens? You make a vow unto God, and we're accountable one to another and unto God. So here, I want you to notice... In prayer, we can approach God silently or we can approach God vocally. This praise will come because God gave a bountiful harvest. That's what he says in verse 1. In verse 2, here we see the only, it is only God who hears prayer. And it's only he who can answer prayer. Now the reason I bring this out, I want you to notice, O you that hear prayer, unto you shall all flesh come. You can pray to false gods. You can pray if you were a Hindu. You know what? You got three million plus gods you could pray to. But you can't come to those gods because they are not gods. Psalm 115, listen to what the 115th Psalm says, down in verse 2. Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is now your God? Our, our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. All other gods, other than the true and living God, are very simply idols fashioned by man's imagination and man's hands. The Word of God goes on to say they have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. I remember one of our church members years ago told me they found a Buddha in the backyard of their house and didn't know where it come from, and they realized a relative had given it to her. She got rid of it. You know why? I don't know if you ever seen Buddha. Buddha's got the big belly and he sits with the bald head. And You know what? You can talk to your 
all talked out, Buddha ain't going to answer. Buddha ain't going to feed you. Buddha can't help you. They have mouths. You've seen the mouth on Buddha. Can't talk. The Word of God says they have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet, but they walk not. See if you can hear me a little bit better. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like unto them, so is everyone that trusts in them. In other words, men fashion these false gods after the imaginations of their own mind. And here, the only one you can go to in prayer and where prayer will be answered is to the true and living God. But what we see in verse 3, it's sin that separates us from God. Because of the sinfulness in our lives, we cannot approach God. We not, cannot come to God. It's our sins that have separated us from God. You ever think about how terrible sin is? Sin can overwhelm us. Sin prevails against us. Notice what it says in verse 3. Iniquities prevail against me. As for our transgressions, thou shalt purge them away. Sins can prevail against us. That word prevail is the word gibor, which means, uh, actually that's a compound name for God, El Gibor. It means uh, God of strength. The word gibor means mighty, strong. In other words, what the psalmist is saying here, David is saying that iniquities prevail over me. The iniquities are overwhelming me. Sin can assail us. Sin can defeat us. Sin can enslave us. Sin can bring much guilt in your life. Sin can bring short pleasure. But it also brings long suffering. Often we don't like to think of that end of it. We just like to think of the short pleasure. But it brings long suffering after the short pleasure. Sin ultimately is rebellion against God. And here the psalmist is saying that sins or iniquities have prevailed against him. Here is our problem. Our transgressions separate us from God, but the psalmist acknowledges that our transgressions, you, that is God, shall purge them away. God causes this expiation of sin. He placates sin. He makes atonement, literally is what it's saying, for our sins. In the Old Testament, we see that through sacrifices. It's the blood that covers the sin. It's the blood that continues as they continue to make sacrifice after sacrifice. It's making atonement 
But ultimately, it's the blood of Jesus Christ that takes away all our sin. And because our sins have been taken away by the blood of Christ, we can make a direct approach unto God. The Word of God tells us that there is only one mediator between God and man. That's the man Christ Jesus. You don't go through Mary. You don't go through Peter. You don't go through the Pope. You don't go through your pastor. You go through Jesus Christ. He's the one mediator between God and man. He alone has made the atonement. He is the only one that has appeased the wrath of God by his death upon the cross. Therefore, we have access to God. Even David had access to God because he knew his sins had been purged away. And the Word of God says in verse 4, Blessed is the man. Notice how he says this man is blessed. Whom you choose. The one God chooses is definitely blessed indeed. He not only chooses, but notice also it says he causes. What does he cause? He causes the blessed man to approach unto him. In other words, if you're blessed, he's taken away your sins. He causes you to approach unto him. Those who are children of God come to God in prayer. It's only natural to go to your heavenly father. When you have a need, when you have a blessing, when you want to share, when you want to talk, when you're lonely, whatever's going on in your life, you have an ever-present help in time of trouble. Here, He causes us to approach unto Him that He may dwell in your courts. In other words, the psalmist is going to dwell in the courts of the Lord. Here is where he finds joy. Here's where he finds peace. It's in the very presence of God. Notice he goes on to say, We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, even of your holy temple. If you notice, some of y'all who may have received the text this morning that I sent out, the Word of God says in verse 15 in Psalm 145, The eyes of all wait upon you, and you give them their meat or food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. It is only God that can deeply satisfy your desires in life. People run here, to, there, and everywhere trying to fulfill their desires, and they always come out empty when they don't go to the Lord. Here God chooses a man, and he is blessed. God is the one... As he not only chooses that man, he causes him to approach unto him. He causes us to dwell. And he causes us to dwell in his presence. And only he can deeply satisfy our longest desires. When you are in the presence of Almighty God, when you are communing with the Lord, you know what? Being in His presence means it means it brings blessings into your life. If you're in the presence of God, you have peace. You experience the grace of God. You experience the satisfaction that only He can fulfill your longing soul. He gives us deeper knowledge of Himself. As we're in His presence, we learn of Him. And as we learn of Him, we find joy in the Lord. 
as we grow in grace and knowledge, as we're in His presence, our cup is full and overflowing. Here is God's grace being manifested. And here David is talking about it. Notice here he says in verse 1, I just want to jump back to one word right there. The word waiteth or waits for you. Praise waits for you. The word wait there in the Hebrew is actually the root word. It means to be dumb or silent. Praise is silent. You know what? Sometimes we need to just be still and know that He is God. A lot of people, a lot of churches like to make a lot of noise, like make a lot of racket, make a lot of loud noise, music, banging, dancing, whatever they do. And some of these churches do about anything. Sometimes it's just good to be still and know that He is God. Praise waits or is silent for you, O God. And here are these vows that are performed. What would that vow be? Vow could possibly be because of a good crop, a bountiful harvest, they have promised to give praise unto God. Therefore, that vow is going to be performed. As they take in the harvest, you know what? They're going to gather together at that festive time and they're going to have a great festival and they're going to be praising God. In verses 5 through 8, as we move through this psalm, he talks about God's greatness. To all the ends of the earth and all the way to the ends of all the seas, no matter where you go. Notice in verse 5, By terrible or awesome things in righteousness will you answer us. Terrible. Now that don't mean terrible like uh. That means terrible like awesome. Like awe-inspiring. In other words, God doing such great things that you almost tremble that you see the greatness of God at work. And in righteousness will He answer us. O God of our salvation, who art the confidence of all the ends of the earth and of them that are far off upon the sea which by his strength sets fast the mountains, being girded with power, which stills the noise of the sea, the noise of the waves, and the tumult of the people. They also that dwell in the uttermost parts are afraid at your tokens. You make the outgoings of the morning and evening to rejoice. Hear what we see to the, all the ends of the earth and the seas. God's hand is at work. He is the God of our salvation. He is the confidence, and where confidence means hope, of all the ends of the earth, not just in Israel. And of them that are far off upon the sea. That means in other nations. All other man's gods are local. Every other God is just a local created being. God is omnipresent. He is not confined to one space like these gods that are made with hands. He only is the hope of all people. There are people who put their trust in false gods such as we don't have to go in depth with some of this. 
you think of the God of Islam. They promise paradise if you die in jihad or in war. You go into combat and you kill people, and if you get killed, you're going automatically to paradise. You know what? That's not true. God is not a God of murder. God is a righteous God, not a holy God. Here, He is the only hope of all mankind. It matters not what walk of life you're in. He is the only hope. It matters not what culture, what nation you come from. It is God who is the only hope. He is the hope of all the ends of the earth and of them that are far off upon the seas. He is the hope of all people. In verses 6 and 7, what we see is the greatness of God in creation and how He's sovereign over all, which by His strength sets fast the mountains, being girded with power. It is God who set those mountains in place, which stills the noise of the seas, the noise of the waves and the tumult of the people. You think about it. You ever been to the ocean? It's God that makes the waves make noise. Sometimes the waves can be very, very noisy. Sometimes the waves can be kind of calm and silent. It is God, it says, that makes the noise of the waves. Notice here he says, and the tumult of the people. God created the mountains. He controls the waves and the seas. But he also controls the tumult of the people. Now, what is tumult? Tumult means turmoil. Have you seen any nations in turmoil in our day and time? Oh, we don't have to look too far and go to other nations to see turmoil. This nation here is in very much turmoil. Our state is in turmoil. Washington, D.C. is in turmoil. Washington State's in turmoil. Man, you go out there and it, it's a wreck. We don't even have to go to the war-torn nations. We see turmoil. But what we see here in this passage of Scripture, it is God who stills the noise of the seas and the noise of the waves and the turmoil of the people. God can stop that war just like that over in Israel right now. God can stop the war in Ukraine just like that right now if He wanted to. It's not God's will to do that at this time. God's got a purpose and a plan higher than our way of thinking. God is in absolute control. He is sovereign over the seas and over the waves and over the turmoil of the people. In verse 8 He says, They also that dwell in the uttermost parts are afraid at your tokens. Now the word afraid means they're in awe. The word tokens means of God's signs, His wonders, His workings, His miracles. How God works. Now this is talking about the uttermost parts. That means not just in the land of Palestine. It's talking about outside to the furthest most parts of the world. God does things that make people stand in awe of what he does. 
the Word of God, and he keeps addressing God, Thou or you make the outgoings of the morning and the evening to rejoice. When you think about this, these foreigners that fear God's signs and His wonders, the Word of God says, you make the outgoings of the morning and evening to rejoice. Now this could very easily reference to the fullness of day. From morning to evening, from morning to evening, God is continually causing us to rejoice. God's people to rejoice. Morning, we're rejoicing. In the evening, we're rejoicing. You can see the festivity as far as going on in this psalm. It's all day long we are rejoicing because of the greatness of God and the sovereignty of God. Only when you understand God's sovereign rule and reign can you rejoice even in dark times. You know what? A lost person can't do that unless they're crazy. But a saved man, one who knows the Lord, can do that and be quite sane in mind. The latter part of this psalm in verses 9 through 13 talks about God's goodness. The goodness of God. Here is the perfect harvest song of praise. They're reaping in the harvest, therefore they're going to give praise to God because of the harvest that has been taken in. Notice here what God does, and ultimately David's giving God the glory. He's saying, you visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it with the river of God, which is full of water. You prepare them corn when you have so provided for it. You water the ridges thereof abundantly. You settle the furrows thereof. You make it soft with showers. You bless the springing thereof. You crown the year with your goodness. And your paths drop fatness. They drop upon the pastures of the wilderness, and the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are clothed with flocks. The valleys also are covered over with corn or grain. They shout for joy. They also sing. What we see here is God waters the land. And God causes the land to bring forth great produce or grain, food. Here is the providence of God. It's God that sends the showers. And notice here He sends soft showers is what the Word of God is telling us. He says soft with showers. You make it soft with showers. Sometimes that light gentle rain just makes the ground soften and makes the garden just come out more lush and beautiful. You know what? It's God that always gives the increase. It's not Mother Nature. Don't you start thinking that way. It's not good luck. I used to harp on that all the time. Anybody ever says to me, I guess that's good luck. Don't you believe that? Don't use luck around me. There ain't no such thing as luck. God is sovereign over all. It's not just good circumstances. It's the good hand of God that is at work. It's not just happenstance. It is God that is working. And that's what David is bringing forth here. It's not just good fortune. It is God who is working. I got to share just a little bit of a blessing with you here because hear what the psalmist is saying. 
here are these blessings that are coming from God, and he's acknowledging that, and because of all this that God has brought about, they shout for joy, and they also sing. And visiting with Brother Craiglow yesterday, he was sharing with me that he's learned people's schedules where he's at, and how they have a certain meal time, and when they're busier than other times, and he pays attention so he doesn't bother the staff at certain times because they're extra busy. In other words, he's thinking where they're at because he don't want to be a burden to people. And what he's doing, he's looking for opportunities to where he can talk to someone, to be a blessing to someone, to share the gospel, always aware of their plans, their schedules around. He gets the opportunity every now and then to pray with some of them. And some of them come particularly just so he can pray for them. I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. That's a reputation going forward. He doesn't complain. He says, I don't want to complain. He says, I know a lot of residents here in this unit probably complain a lot. He says, I don't want to be known for that. I'm going like, wow. He's seeking to be a blessing to people. And you know what? People are being a blessing to him. As he's seeking to be a blessing unto others. Now you know what? It's God that's the one who's orchestrating that. It is God who's putting that in his heart. It is God who gives us the desire to be blessed. Isn't that true? Here... As we look at this psalm of harvest, we see there is a river of God in verse 9. God visits the earth, waters it, and greatly enriches it with the river of God, which is full of water. In other words, God's river never runs dry. It is full of water. There are times in our lives when we try to irrigate and we try to cause water to go to certain areas so it can water certain areas in our lives. But our systems fail. We try to get God to bless over here, or we try to get God to bless over here. We try to, we try to do, we try to do. Problem is, our irrigation system broke down. <laughs> we need a river. A river that never dr runs dry. And that's the river of God. His river will make you glad because he always supplies. He always supplies. He continually supplies. And here, blessings are poured out. His blessings should cause, as it says in the latter part of verse 13, shout for joy and also sing. Therefore we know, as I started this psalm, that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Every blessing comes from the hand of our Heavenly Father. Oh, that we might seek to be blessed by being a blessing unto others. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word that's been preserved for us this evening. 
And though it has been resounded down through the centuries and many have rejoiced in it, we rejoice in it tonight, knowing you are the one who gives abundant supply, health and strength and life, the goodness of you. As we look to your grace and your greatness, we rejoice in how you work. Help us not to be ashamed, but to boldly take a stand for your truth and share that truth to a world that is seeking to get water from dry riverbeds. Lord, we pray, help us to give the water of life to a lost and dying world. We'll give you the praise for Christ's sake. Amen.